This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the Globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Here we go, it's World Wide Wave time again. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community, taking you around the globe, one queer story at a time. I'm Matt. And we are live at the Victorian studios of the magnificent Victorian Pride Centre, uh, where I am tonight joined shortly by Andrew and currently by Alex. Bonsoir. Now, with all the media focused on Ukraine, the LGBT attacks in nearby countries have been rather hidden from sight. Chechnya rose to prominence when rumours began to surface in 2017 of a gay purge. It was extremely hard at the time for international media to verify exactly what was um, going on as victims either disappeared or were too afraid to speak out. We know now that uh, what was going on was a purge, a liquidation of the LGBT community with the full knowledge and perhaps even participation of the Chechen government. There were reports of LGBT LGBT people being rounded up, tortured and even being shamed, then released to their families who, in, who were encouraged to commit so-called honour killings. Now, Oscar-nominated director David France uh, went undercover in Chechnya to capture these harrowing stories and the inspirational efforts of the LGBT activists who risked their lives to save them. The documentary Welcome to Chechnya, The Gay Purge, will show... Um, next month at the Victorian Pride Centre as a fundraiser for Kaleidoscope Australia. And here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. And I keep talking about these people as ordinary Russians. They're, they haven't been trained in you know, James Bond kind of manoeuvres. But that's what they're doing. And uh, they're doing it today. You know, they're doing it in the 21st century. And, and that's really remarkable. The the, the lengths that they go to and, and the degree to which their lives have been disrupted because they've moved from ordinary citizens into this kind of heroic stance. It means that their lives are in danger. Their names are on hit lists. In 2017, rumours of disappearance of LGBT uh, community members in the Russian province of Chechnya began to arise. Ever so gradually, these rumours turned into stories of torture, rape and murder. But such was the fear of those affected, it took some time for personal, first-hand accounts detailing a systematic liquidation campaign against LGBT Chechens to come to the world's attention. And a warning, some of tonight's content may be distressing to some listeners. Uh, The director, 
David France is no stranger to telling uh, challenging stories. The Oscar-nominated director brought the shock and the fight of the early years of AIDS to America to screens around the world. His latest documentary, Welcome to Chechnya, The Gay Purge, took him undercover to capture both the horrific personal stories of torture and the fear of LGBT Chechnyans, plus the amazing bravery of the LGBT activists who stepped in to help them. We started by asking David what made him want to tell this story. Uh, you know, I had heard about what was going on in Chechnya in early 2017 uh, when there was an investigative report that was in one of the Russian newspapers that exposed this uh, atrocity. And then it kind of fell from headlines. And I thought, you know, it probably took care of itself, you know, the way you, you kind of you know, take no responsibility for these things. And then I learned that three or four months later, there was a, another article published about what ordinary Russians were doing to respond to it because none of the rest of us were paying any attention and they were doing these extraordinary heroic things. They had set up an underground shelter network to hide people, to keep them from being killed, to take care of their medical needs after this torture campaign and murder campaign that they had somehow escaped. And then in fact that they were going into Chechnya to rescue people who were reaching out to them on a hotline saying, I can't get out of here alone. I have been targeted by the local government for this. It's a liquidation campaign that's going on. And I, I need your help. So these really, like, 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 just ordinary Russians were doing this extraordinary work because the rest of us were paying no attention. And I felt an obligation to go and pay attention, you know, to witness what's happening there, to, uh, to join them and try to amplify their voices. David, when this first made international media coverage, it was, you know, it was about rumours that there was this anti-gay purge. It was really hard to get information. You've been there. You've seen what's going on. How much did we actually know then and, and how much do we really know now? What we were hearing back then was a little more than rumours. It was people giving testimony but using false names and, and appearing in news reports and shadows with mechanical voices and the like, uh, people were afraid to come forward and say what was happening there. And in the absence of upfront testimony, the Kadyrov regime, um, Ramzan Kadyrov runs the Republic of Chechnya in the south of Russia, he took the position that none of this had happened, that if it had happened, there would be victims, there would be testimony, and without any evidence, he, he claimed that his denial was reasonable. And uh, the Putin regime in Russia uh, echoed that. So that's all we've heard from Russia is that it's not happening, that there is no evidence. And that's, I think, was my main goal when I started working on this film was to find the evidence, to make those denials, you know, impossible to swallow. And I think that's what I've done. What people allowed me to do is to follow them through their escapes and follow them as they're in hiding and follow them as their families are threatened and uh, and really produce the evidence thread that points right to this local uh, despot and his regime and the campaign that they're waging there, which is a liquidation campaign there. They have decided that for their own diabolical reasons, that it's in their advantage to round up and execute all LGBTQ 
Chechens in the region and liquidate, I'm sorry, to cleanse, as they say it, to cleanse the Chechen bloodline of queer Chechens. And, you know, this is a kind of a campaign we haven't seen since Hitler, this idea that you could round up a people, every last one of them, and do them in, in a way to, to purify a race. And that's literally what's going on there. And the fact that the news media had paid such little attention to it over the years and the fact that our political leaders have done so little in the way of um, raising their voices in opposition to this and demanding justice, or at the very least an end to the campaign, which is ongoing, was shocking to me. So that, that, was, that was really my motivation was to, to make it so that we're talking about it again. I understand that um, lesbians were particularly hard to liberate. What, why is that? Well, it's a very uh, conservative part of the world. And by conservative, I, I'm using air quotes. It's, um, it's a place where the leadership of the, of the republic has bent Islam and religion to its own purposes. Um, and one of the purposes that they have, um, have, have brought to the fore is the repression of all women. Uh, it's not easy for women to leave their homes. It's not easy for women to hold jobs. If they do hold jobs or go to school, they're escorted there as though they're flight risks, just on a general policy. If a woman is discovered to have um, an alternative sexual reality, the danger to her becomes multiplied by the fact that she can't get herself out of there. Um, and that means that uh, it's left to these activists whose stories I've told to actually concoct ways to find her and to bring her out of there. And these are stories that we've seen in like World War II movies where people are risking their lives, sometimes in costume, uh, you know, under some subterfuge to find people who are in hiding and who are in great peril and then manage through their own wily ways to find a route to get them to freedom. And uh, it's a remarkable undertaking. Um, and I keep talking about these people as ordinary uh, Russians. They're, they haven't been trained in you know, James Bond kind of maneuvers, but that's what they're doing. And uh, they're doing it today. You know, they're doing it in the 21st century. And, uh, and, and that's really remarkable. The, the, the lengths that they go to and, and the degree to which their lives have been disrupted because they've moved from ordinary citizens into this kind of heroic stance. It means that their lives are in danger. Their names are on hit lists. They are very uh, aggressively unprotected by state authorities. The, the Russian government, the police force is not on their side. And yet they're doing this on a daily basis, and they've been doing it for three years since, since this story first broke. And uh, just to be able to witness this kind of you know, heroism, and it's, it's not a word that I use lightly, but it's certainly something that they're actually doing. They're standing up in ways that most people wouldn't. Coming up, David reveals the new technique he was forced to create in order to guard the identities of the LGBT escapees and their historic, historic, heroic rescuers. You're on World Wide Wave. Our diverse communities have one home, joy. This is Autumn Batar from LGBT Centre of Mongolia and I'm happy to be on World Wide Wave. 
There's no starker reminder of the gay purge in Chechnya than the fate of that singer, Zelen Bakov. He achieved chart success in Russia before appearing on a television show which took his fame to a new level. Then in 2017 he disappeared while visiting Chechnya to attend his sister's wedding. The Chechnyan Ministry of Internal Affairs refused to open an investigation into his disappearance and there have been reports that he had been tortured and killed as part of the gay purge although his body has never been found. And he's an out and proud artist that we are happy to play here on Joy 94.9. David France, the director of the documentary Welcome to Chechnya, has been telling us about some of the extraordinary actions of ordinary people who are working to shelter and ultimately evacuate LGBT Chechens under attack. We asked David what it was that what it was that drive these ordinary people to become superheroes. That's been my big question, right? So, like, you know, why do some people run into burning buildings and the rest of us run away from them? And this is really a case study in what it takes to be the person who steps up, the person who takes those risks for total strangers. They don't know these people. It's, it's, a, it's an expression of a kind of a love for humankind that I've never experienced or witnessed before. With regard to the international community uh, reaction, what should the international community do about this genocide and why have we been so silent? Well, you know, certainly our political leadership should be putting um, every measure of pressure on the Russian government to do something about this. You know, it's it's really literally the Kremlin's issue, right? So uh, they're not enforcing the laws, the Russian laws in the Southern Republic. Um, the, the Republic is governed by the same laws, and they're just not doing it. And, and they're not doing it for various reasons. The leader, Kadyrov, in Chechnya serves a purpose for Putin. And it's a political discourse that the two of them have that has nothing to do with the people who are caught up in the middle of it. And we have seen some international outcry. Uh, certainly in early 2017, we did. And we saw governments that were willing to work with um, local LGBTQ organizations in Russia to open up extraordinary visa programs for inviting people who are survivors of this atrocity to come and find safety and build new lives in new countries. Um, That willingness has dried up over the years, and I blame the media for that. You know, I think the work that reporters do, the work that you guys are doing, is essential to keeping our governments paying attention to the right things. And in my country, which has received none of the people who have fled from Chechnya and the the Caucasus in south of Russia, I think the media has been caught up in the manipulation of the media sphere by Donald Trump. And we've been treating ourselves in the media to this kind of self-righteous response to his ongoing idiocy about just about everything from misspellings and tweets to you know ridiculous proclamations about injecting bleach to cure himself from from covid uh, and those things have just dominated uh, the the media i think around the world and in ways that have allowed serious crimes against humanity to go unaddressed and this this is one of them. David, you've talked about the risks that these these rescuers, these heroes are taking. What about you as a filmmaker? Did you feel you were at risk in this? 
Well, I certainly felt the danger um, in every moment of the time I spent with these folks. I, I was embedded in their underground networks for 18 months filming. Wow. But um, I, I more than feeling nervous for myself, and I did feel um, very concerned and um, was hopefully as prepared as possible each time I entered to do my uh, documenting. I was really worried about what my presence might do to expo- to further expose people to danger. And we were very careful to make sure that we were never detected as being a film crew who was traveling in concert with the people who were doing this incredible work. So we were, we had our own narratives. We had our own journeys that happened to uh, dovetail with the journeys of the folks who were staging the extractions. And we filmed constantly with hidden cameras and with cell phones and with GoPros. And so it's, it's, it's truly a guerrilla film uh, made with all the stealth techniques that you can imagine. And luckily, we were never detected because that would have meant probably certain death to the people who were being rescued and, um, and certainly some terrible uh, consequences for the people who were rescuing do you feel at any point when filming that this documentary might be too violent to show or there was some footage that you you felt was too difficult to expose or you wanted to expose to show everything? Well, I, I certainly did not show everything. You know, what I wanted to do in the film is just to talk about a genocide that's ongoing and to provide evidence of it. And I think any film that you see about a genocide is going to be a film about violence. I knew that when I started this project. I knew that the world wasn't paying attention to it and needed in some way to be shocked into paying attention to it. But I also found that it was, you know, we were talking about these heroes, that I found that it was also a story about love, the way people can express a kind of love for humanity in ways that move so far beyond themselves and so far beyond their own comfort zones that they take on these challenges. And, uh, you know, we've... We've seen movies like Schindler's List and, and others where, where people just can't not do the right thing. And you wonder why they're doing it and why they've taken on those risks. And in some way, I think the common answer to that is that they just couldn't not. That's David France, director of the documentary Welcome to Chechnya. Those, uh, it is that interesting question of why once why some people run into a fire and some people run away, isn't it? That mm. willingness to go beyond for somebody, and in this case, people they've never met. A lot of people who do run into burning buildings say they just do it on instinct. They don't actually think about what they're doing or make a conscious choice. It just happens before they know it. Mm. But in this case, I guess they have to think. They have yeah. to plan. They have to develop strategies to uh, figure out how to get... Uh, the LGBT Chechens out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I watched the film, I just, I just did. I was in kind of awe of these particular people because part of me is also going, why, do you, why would you do it? I'd just leave myself. Um, well, they obviously had various stories about why they were still remaining in Chechnya or Russia, and still, you know, obviously they had extended family, other connections that kept them there. Uh, but even there were, I'm guessing there were reasonable of them were single, unattached and could have themselves left. But yeah, so why they decide to risk their lives and stay to help sustain this network. It's a bit like the underground 
railroad-type scenario in the south and US, you know, why you think you get yourself out, you're just like, you know... You know, you think I'm free, but, but then you yeah, think about other people. But then you go back into the fire, so to speak, to help others. One of the reasons this this whole story came to light was because LGBT activist groups in Russia mm. were able to amplify the message to the world. They were able to grab the media's attention. What has been happening very recently yes. since uh, the Ukraine war is that there has been a crackdown on LGBT groups in Russia. And in fact... Um, the Russian government has been trying to shut them down. Yes, well, all human rights groups, yeah, I think it's a classic scenario. And while the world's distracted by the events next door in Ukraine, um, it's, a, you know, usual, a perfect opportunity for a dictator to to remove any uh, internal dissent, including human rights organisations. It is, yeah, it's frightening. So it'd be interesting to know whether any of these people in the film and the organisations they work for, um, the underground organisations, you know, how they're faring under the current situation. Exactly. Uh, coming up on Joy 94.9, we find out how making this film has affected David and his team. This is World Wide Wave. For all voices, this is Joy. Hi, this is Anastasia from the Subalt Organisation Russia and the World Wide Wave. It's the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time, Worldwide Wave, and tonight we are in Chechnya. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcast automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash Worldwide Wave or iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a review. After gaining the confidence of his subjects to allow him to film their stories, the director, David France, then had to figure out a way to protect his subjects' identities. He developed an ingenious way of hiding the faces of the LGBT Chechens and their Russian saviours, but still allowed their highly charged emotions to be seen by the viewers. We asked David to explain how he did it. Well, the folks who were um, fleeing, what they knew, and I had to learn through them is that this is not just a campaign to get them to get away. You know, it's not about scaring people off. It's literally this diabolical idea that all LGBTQ Chechens should and must be destroyed. And that means practically that wherever they go in the world, they are going to be hunted. They are being hunted. And so when I first approached them and asked if I could film their journey, they said, you know, absolutely not. The, uh, if anybody knew that I was still alive, then they would come for me and they would come for my family back home and put incredible pressure on my family. We've seen that now. I have seen that now. The way the police call in family members of known escapees and threaten them to find some way for them to be forced into bringing their relatives back for the conclusion of this campaign. So I, I made a promise to the people who uh, allowed me to tell their stories that I would disguise them in a way that even their family members wouldn't recognize them. And I tried the traditional techniques that documentary filmmakers use, which is blurring faces and pixelating faces and putting people in dark shadows and that kind of stuff. And I found that I was undermining the humanity of the people who were running, that I wanted I wanted you and the viewers of the film to see them and see what they've been through and see what the cost of that journey has been 
by looking them in the face and, and taking a measure of the disaster that they've seen. So I asked them if I could film their faces and then see if I could find a, a, you know, a new way to disguise them. And ultimately, that's what we did. We developed this technique where you still are able to experience what's happening to them, but you're doing it under a digital disguise. So effectively, you're putting another person's face onto their body. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's a kind of a digital face transplant. So yep. uh, we uh, recruited, there were 23 people in the film who, whose identities couldn't be known. And we recruited people to lend their faces as a kind of an act of activism, to become a human shield, to, to draw away the attention from the people whose stories are animating the, the film, Welcome to Chechnya. And they did that by loaning their faces to us. We filmed them in, in a blue screen environment. We created this algorithm that allowed us to digitally, pixel by pixel, move their skin onto each frame that we shot of these other protagonists in the film. So what you're seeing is all what I saw. What they're saying is all what they said. But they're doing it behind this skin that is being digitally driven by their actions. David, as a filmmaker, how hard was it for you to make and how did you look after yourself and your team while experiencing trauma firsthand, really? It was, it was tough, and that's a really good question. It was, you know, I have spent my career reporting on human rights violations and, um, and tragedies of all sorts, and uh, none of that prepared me for something like this. It was... Um, to see this kind of um, horror up close as I did and to spend the 18 months I did with the people who were addressing it as activists on the ground took a toll and it, and it took a toll on me and the rest of my crew. And we, we talked about it a lot. We, we worked with one another about through our kind of emotional reactions to things. We, we wanted to make sure we were not getting, you know, calloused to what we were seeing, but that we were actually still feeling it at all times and, and that was easy for us to do because we remained in constant contact with the the people who were uh, able to escape from this uh, catastrophe and we're still in touch with them so we're, we are we're not far ever from the the emotional consequences of this kind of a crime so david what what drives you in making these because this is not the first film showing these kinds of uh, challenges, these kinds of difficulties. Um, so what drives you in wanting to make a film like this? Well, you, you know, if I've got a long career in print journalism. This is my third film. Um, and like the, the other two, it's a film about a radical kind of activism. And that was what originally interested me in it, was the, this, this idea that, that there were these you know, human beings who were called upon to do these superhuman things. And it's, a, it's really a study of them and a study of what it takes to be them and what that costs them, being them. And uh, I think, I guess what I'm reaching for is to understand that, that, that thing that some people have that, um, that, that drives them to these extreme expressions of activism and defense of other human beings. I think that's what ties it all together to me. It's, it's, it's really a, a, a lasting curiosity of mine. Like, what makes some people heroes? 
So at the end of the film, do you think viewers should be angry or inspired or scared? How do you think they should feel? I hope that they're all of those things. Certainly, it should make us all angry that this is going on and that we don't know enough about it. And I know that some of your listeners are going to have some knowledge about it, some in-depth knowledge even. But I think most are going to say to themselves, you know, how did we not know? Why didn't I know? And I think people take that on personally and they shouldn't. I think, you know, I think we've been let down and I think we should be angry not at what's only at what's going on there, but about the ways that our governments have not responded. The, the mechanisms that have allowed this to continue, which are reached far beyond Chechnya and Russia. But hopefully also that they will, they will be inspired. They'll see that it is possible for people to take on something as intractable as this, you know, uh, this crime against humanity, and do something that makes a difference. And in this case, in the period of time I was embedded with this organization, they, uh, they saved over 200 lives. And they did it, you know, they did it with no help from anybody. And they did it not knowing that they could do it, but knowing that they had to. And that's, I think, what's so inspiring about them and about their story. The film is Welcome to Chechnya, the director, David France. It's showing at the new online version of the Melbourne International Film Festival coming up in a few weeks' time. David, thank you very much for bringing this film to light and thank you for speaking with us on Worldwide Wave. Thank you, Matt. It was great to be here. Thanks for telling the story. Thank you. Of course, that was an interview we captured uh, at the time that this was uh, just about to be released, and uh, it's coming up again, a special showing here at the Victorian Pride Centre on Thursday, June 2. Um, Alex, you've seen the, the film? Yes, yes. Uh, I didn't see it at the film festival when I saw it online. Um, it's, it's great, yes. And Very it's really, powerful. yeah, I know I was just talking about this digital face transplant thing that's quite amazing. I won't go into it but people will find out if they go watch it and um yes it's interesting to think about this this hunting down you know of the um it's like it never ends yeah just yeah and and even though we're even though this is talking about chechnya there are such parallels to ukraine as well um Mm. we've seen this uh uh russia has you know put out a kill list which includes mm. LGBT activists, people they're deliberately targeting in, in Ukraine. Um, and, uh, you know, it's sort of... Um, uh, Zelensky in Ukraine has very much put his uh, support, his his backers are from Europe, and Putin is the opposite, yeah. and sort of, and he's actually used being gay as being something, you know, to be... Being gay as a Western thing and trying yes, to agitate that Yes, we've heard that one before, that haven't we, in yeah. Africa and elsewhere? Uh, look, I think, you know, assuming that, that it continues the way it has been and that, the, you know, the Russians don't succeed in their strategy in Ukraine, I think for the Ukrainians is a major turning point for us in a good way. I think there's no going back to a kind of, uh, you know, draconian pseudo Soviet style Ukrainian government. I think this is now a permanent schism between a Ukraine under the umbrella of Russia versus Ukraine under the in the fold of the West. I think you know, assuming that um, Zelensky um, prevails, which we all hope he does, I think this is good news for Ukrainian LGBT.
Probably, um, or I perhaps... Think, but for Russians... Yes, perhaps bad news for LGBT for Russians. Russians, I think it's a very different story. I think they're facing many years under, you know, they're going to look for scapegoats, people that, you know, um, are basically treated as traitors. So the documentary is called Welcome to Chechnya. It's been shown here at, on Thursday, 2nd of June at the Victorian Pride Centre in St Kilda. It's a fundraiser for our friends at Kaleidoscope Australia Human Rights Foundation and also Elias Justice. We've just popped the uh, place to get tickets on our web on our uh, Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook and search W3Joy or World Wide Wave, you'll be able to find and book your tickets. Want to hear more? Find out about LGBT life in over 100 countries. Download free podcasts of this show. Subscribe to iTunes or follow us on Twitter. Visit joy.org.au slash worldwide wave. This is Florine from the Romanian LGBT rights organization, except speaking from Bucharest and the World Wide Wave. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, uh, David France, the director of the much-anticipated documentary film Welcome to Chechnya, The Gay Purge. You can see that on Thursday, June 2, right here at the Victorian Pride Centre, fundraiser for Kaleidoscope Australia, uh, with uh, drinks and canapes and all things nice. Go to our Facebook page to find the link to how to book your tickets. Go to Facebook slash W3Joy. And talking of Facebook, we want to thank everybody who sent us messages this week. That's Jennifer, Liz, Sashi. Trent and a heap more. And thank you to the behind-the-scenes team of Peter, our podcaster and social media master, Dean. We'll be back next week with more World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.